Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of temptation and the way of escape. David saw a very beautiful woman bathing from his rooftop. David had a crisis, a crucial point where he was either going to resist the sin or run with it. Crises, the Chinese character for the word crisis is danger and opportunity. Opportunity if you decide right, danger if you don't. You understand? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Unfortunately, though the revelation of a secret sexual affair of a famous figure would hardly be considered scandalous news today, Scripture regards adultery as no small matter. And at the initial moment of temptation, while David looked at Bathsheba and said, Beauty, what God saw was a situation quite ugly. And as it's been said that the pleasures of sin deceive us like the bait hides the hook, Pastor Xavier shows how David ignored every warning and way of escape God set before him in our simple truth study of 2 Samuel chapter 11. Let's listen. The life of David has been that of a a continual success and victory, but it's a miracle of God that he got there. It was all God's doing, as you know. God took him from the sheep hole and anointed him king through the anointing of Samuel. God then was with him to defeat Goliath. And God was with him uh, as he brought him into Saul's court to be his armor bearer, later on his captain, until he began to pursue David viciously. And as Saul pursued David, God delivered him time after time. We've seen this very, very clearly. God has given to David all of Israel. Judah and Israel were united now. And all of his enemies, for the most part, were under his control. David had God's promise also that God would build him a house, a throne, and his son Solomon would sit upon it, and then long-term-wise, the Messiah would come through his line. Incredible. Many must have been the thoughts of David as he looked back on the struggles, the difficult times when he thought he was going to be killed by Saul, and we know more than once Jonathan came out to encourage him, you will not die, you will be king. Looking back, You could see things clearly. Yet, the greatest danger to David was to come to him during a time of comfort, peace, success, and wealth. Not through the difficult times. David, a man after God's own heart, was not destroyed by any great army, but by the weakness of his flesh in the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Proverbs 6.26 says, For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. That man has a choice. That man exercises his will. He can blame no one. From this point on, we're going to see the decline of David and his kingdom. He was never the same man. Chapter 10 is the highest point for David. 11 through 20, we're going to see his troubles. And God has gone out of his way to keep this record very simple, very straight to the point throughout history. Remember, the scriptures tell us that all things happen to them in the wilderness for 
examples for us. They're written for admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12. That we learn from those people's rebellion and their disobedience to things that go on. There is a general self-confidence that says, I would never do that. Be careful. I know what the Word of God says about sexual sin, but I've got it together. I don't have any problem in that area. If you don't, either you got the gift of celibacy or you're dead. One of the two. <laughs> or you're just self-deceived. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. It's real simple. Let me read here. The text unfolds in four progressive movements. Beginning verse 1 here. It says, It happened in the spring of the year that the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, she, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to his house. And so when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark of Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go down to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also and tomorrow, and I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And that evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by, by, by a hand of Uriah, and he wrote in the letter, saying, Say Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. And so it was, while Joab besieged the city, that he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. And then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war. He charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, it happens that the king's wrath rises. And he says to you, Why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would uh, shoot from the wall? Who, who struck Amalek? 
the son of Jerobesh, was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And so the messenger went and came and told David all the joy has sent by him. And the messenger said to David, surely the man prevailed against us and came out to us in the field. Then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at their servants, and some of them king's servants are dead. And your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. The sin of adultery by David unfolds for us in four progressive movements here. Verse 1 through 5, the sin of David is given. 6 through 13, the cover-up of David. 14 through 21, the desperation of David. And 22 through 27, the deception of David. Let's begin here with the sin of David, where it all begins. Verse 1 through 5. Notice in verse 1, the sin of David was directly related to being where he wasn't supposed to be. This is the emphasis of verse 1. Don't miss it. The time frame is, is when kings went out to war, the springtime, uh, between April and June. The rains were over. The crops were abundant. It was a good time to go to war. David should have been with his men in battle. That's the emphasis. They were out of war. He was in Jerusalem. He shouldn't have been there. Notice the king sent Joab, his servant here in verse 1, and all of Israel to destroy the people of Ammon and to besiege Rabbah. Joab, as you know, is his general. His servants, officers, probably here mercenaries, and all of Israel, all the Hebrew warriors. And the war against Ammon there, or the Ammonites, was due to David sending men to comfort him in the previous chapter, chapter 10, verse 1 through 14, to comfort the son Hanun over his father's death, the king of Ammon. But his princess, his officer, said, Ah, do you think David's trying to comfort you? He's sending men to spy out the land. And so they humiliated the men by shaving half of their beards off and cutting their trousers all the way up to their buttocks, humiliating them and sending them off. And David told them, Stay in Jericho till like, your beard grows. And, then, and that's where the war, and they, they, they came against Ammon. So it began in chapter 10, the war. Now, King David tarried in Jerusalem. Notice there in verse 1. David had always led his men into battle. He fought the wars of the Lord. We have seen this. David was probably in his 50s at this point. But he could at least been with his men to give some strategy as an incredible warrior and strategist. The emphasis, he shouldn't have been there at Jerusalem. Now, Joab will be calling David later on to come and to take the city for himself in chapter 12, verse 27. So the war begins in chapter 10. We get the implication here in verse 1, and it finishes in chapter 12, okay? 
So you have to see between the war here, you've got the sin of adultery where David should have been not at war. David was where he shouldn't have been, being idle. Being idle. Now look at verse 2. The temptation of David began very innocently. David happened to rise from his bed and walk out on his roof top of his house in the evening. The roofs were flat and still are in the Middle East. You've gone to Israel with us. You know that. They are used for entertainment, for drying clothes and other things. And sometimes they're considered part of the house. They're enclosed. At times, they even sleep on them. We saw a little of that in 1 Samuel 9, 25. Now, the reason is not stated here in our text, but probably he had to enjoy the view and the fresh air. Maybe it was a, a warm spring evening. And David was now enjoying absolute wealth, fame, and power as king of Israel. But he was idle, perhaps even bored. That means that David's relationship with God must have become formal and coal for some time. Think with me. Chapter 10 is the peak of David. Chapter 11, he falls. You don't just get up one morning and commit adultery. There are steps of backsliding, getting away from God, becoming just religious rather than having a relationship. So this has taken some time, though the scriptures are silent. We have to think in practical matters, for David was just like you and I, a man of flesh. Now notice still in verse 2, David saw a very beautiful woman bathing from his rooftop. Of course, as king, he's got the highest peak there in in the uh, city of David, Ophel, and he's looking down on the rest of the people. And now the word beautiful refers to her physical appearance, not her face. And there was nothing wrong or evil if it was an accident, and it most likely was. This was David's first check by the Spirit of God when he saw her. What is wrong is what he did with the impermissible or evil thoughts after he was confronted with it. You understand? Nothing wrong if you bump into something, you see something. But what are you going to do with it now? David already had many wives, by the way. David had a crisis, a crucial point where he was either going to resist the sin or run with it. Crises, the Chinese character for the word crises is danger and opportunity. Opportunity if you decide right. Danger if you don't. You understand? We are to resist the devil. Draw nigh to God and he will flee. James 4, 7 says. We are to bring our thoughts into captivity. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Jesus said, but I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust for her in, or in his heart has already committed adultery in his heart, Matthew 5, 28. Now, many people play games. I had an individual play games with me like this one time. He says, well, you know, the Bible says if you lust, you've already committed, so what's the difference? Listen to me. If you have it in heart, you get it right with God. But once you cross the line and make it tangible and practical here on earth, now you've got to deal with it on the, le- on the earthly level. You understand? So let's not play games. Okay? It's sin before God, both of them. Look at verse 3. The commitment of David on his course of action was set. David inquired about the woman. Let's take this as the second check. Okay? He did not resist his sin nature and yielded to ongoing lust. He made a choice of the will to follow his enticement and abusing his power. Notice the word sent. It's a key word for the text. It appears ten times. 
Verse 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 14, 18, 22, 27, 10 times. Sent, sent, sent. David is the king. He is the highest authority. He is responsible. Notice still in 3, David was admonished by a nameless servant that could see his intentions. The third check. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Three things. Boom, boom, boom. She was the daughter of Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, who was one of David's honorable 30 mighty men, which made her the granddaughter of Ahithophel, David's friend and advisor. 2 Samuel 23, 34. David, what are you doing? This is craziness, which could have been one of the reasons that Ahithophel sided with Absalom when Absalom rebels against his father. There are some men and women who love us, who are faithful to us, and if we become ungodly, it can turn them against us. They have their choice, they have their part of the decision, but we are responsible for the instigation. You understand? You have to be careful. She was the wife of Uriah the Hittite, another one of David's 30 Mighty men in Second Samuel twenty three twenty nine. These people were were faithful, loyal. I mean, long standing warriors of David, the granddaughter, the wife. Bathsheba means daughter of an oath, so she was a well to do in terms of the family of Israel. Now, notice David at this point would have been better off to got on his horse and just ridden off to the war. You understand? David could have stopped at this point, asked God for forgiveness, and everything would have worked out okay. Wish to God that would have happened. You don't want to live with this. Why did I do that? Why didn't I pay attention? You don't want to live with that as a Christian. We live with that in the world. You understand? But David persisted to feed his lusts. Sometimes the only way of escape is to run. Joseph ran naked, gone. Great move. Always giving us a way of escape. But will we take it? Look at verse 4. The determination of David to sin had been made up in his mind at this point. He made the worst decision of his entire life. He chooses and decides to ignore the warnings of God and his servants. He sent messengers to take her, and she came to him. This is the fourth check. David's acting as if he is above the law. He is not. The fifth check was when she came to David before sinning. Then it says he laid with her. She had just purified herself from her monthly cycle when David first saw her bathing, indicating that she was not pregnant. So there could be no doubt that it was David's son. David sinned against God. David sins against his own wives. David sinned against Uriah. David sinned with Bathsheba. And David sinned against his own body. Notice he allowed her to go back home after his little fling. One night stand. David knew that the law said that both of them should be stoned to death. Leviticus 20, verse 10. He knew that. She knew that. David's sin was greater because of who he was. To those that much is given, much is required, Jesus said in the parable of Luke 12, 48. The greater precision you have, the greater the judgment, the greater destruction. 
the greater accountability. Verse 5, we have the reaping of David to his sin. Bathsheba became pregnant. She conceived, verse 5 tells us. Bathsheba is not without fault. Giving her the benefit of the doubt, though, she couldn't have been ignorant. But let's just say she was ignorant to the exposure of her bath out there that day. Though I doubt it. Bathsheba did not resist or ask David to stop. There's no such thing written. The law in Deuteronomy 22, 25, and 26 stated that if a woman was forced to have sex in the country, the only one that was to be put to death was the man, giving her the benefit of the doubt that she yelled for help, but being in the country, no one was around. But if a woman was forced in the city, that would not be accepted because if she cried out, this was a theocracy. Every Hebrew Jew would be there to assault and take that man. So they would both be stoned if she was forced in the city. She's in the city. No one heard her. There was no yelling. There was nothing else. She was complicit to the act. Do you understand? Now, Bathsheba sent and told David, I am with child. Both had ignored the checkpoints. Both had not tried to hide their meeting. The servants knew. He sent the servants to get her, brought her. Both committed adultery, which has to be the most selfish sin of all. Because you're only thinking of gratifying yourself. You're not thinking of anybody else. It takes no account of the thought of the damage to the other mates, husband or wives, or the children. It is the defilement of the holy of holies that God has given for one man and one woman in marriage. No one else. Both ignored that sex is intended for the sanctity of marriage then. Marriage is honorable in all. In the bed undefiled, Hebrews 13, 4 says, The man and the woman were naked and they were not ashamed and God told them to multiply, replenish the earth. Genesis 2, 25 and 28. Nothing wrong with that. But David had broken several commandments at this point. He stole a woman that shall not steal. She did not belong to him. He committed adultery and he coveted his neighbor's wife. Let me read you Proverbs 6, 26 through 32. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a heart that a man is reduced to a crust of bread, an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? They're rhetorical questions. No. You're going to get burned. You're going to be seared. So it is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Pretty heavy, pretty severe. Pastor Xavier Reese and Scripture's clear warning of the ruin that accompanies the ignoring of God's commands. 
And you can find this program online to hear any part you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Also, as you might have guessed, we've had to break in for today only partway through this intriguing message drawn from 2 Samuel chapter 11. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, you can also pick up a copy of this message on CD. And the title you want to ask for is simply, The Adulterous Sin of David. It's available for only $4 upon request. Once again, the title to ask for is, The Adulterous Sin of David. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com